It's truly amazing how throughout our lives, Jesus finds us and walks with us, even in our most dejected and random wanderings. We all know from our own experiences moments that seem bereft of hope, doubt, full of doubt, difficult beyond measure. We didn't know where to go. Perhaps we didn't know where we even were or where we were going. And yet Jesus came to us, loved us, healed us, brought us home. In my own priesthood and in my own readings of the lives of the saints and others, the encounter with Jesus on the road, sometimes to nowhere, sometimes to perdition, frankly, is incredible. Jesus never seeks, never stops seeking us. He is always out there on the way, looking for us, loving us, walking with us, conversing with us, opening his truth and beauty and goodness, breaking the bread with us, and revealing his true self to us. Oftentimes these moments, unfortunately, don't happen on the mountaintop. You know, someday I pray that, you know, after the Super Bowl or one of, you know, the World Series when the MVP is asked what he's doing, instead of saying, I'm going to, to Disney World, he'll say something along the lines of, I'm selling everything I have, giving it to the Lord, moving to a, a hermitage. That would be great. I would love that. But most of the time, Jesus finds us and walks with us in the chaos and the frenzy of everyday life. But in our everyday life, he comes to us in a personal way. Oftentimes, we talk about a personal relationship with Scripture, and for many of us who are Catholic, this sounds very Protestant and very uncomfortable. But I think this is an important distinction, right, between an individual versus a personal relationship with God, with Jesus in particular. Jesus comes to us personally in the sense that he himself comes to us. But he doesn't just come to us as the stranger walking along the road. He comes to us in our family, in our friendship, in the scriptures, in the sacraments. He comes to every aspect of our person and in other persons. One of the saints who has had the greatest impact on my life is St. Augustine. And in St. Augustine's life, yes, in his heart, he was seeking deeply the truth. He was having this inner conversion, but it was actually walking with his best friend, Alepius, who knew him not only in his desire for Jesus, but also in the depths of his sin. And they had sinned and partaken of sin together for many years. And yet together, when they started to walk to Jesus, it was in their relationship and friendship that led them to a garden to ponder what God was asking them when Augustine opened the scriptures to St. Paul's letter to the Romans, and his life was changed forevermore. Jesus comes to us personally in his word and our friends in the world. But it's not random either. Not only did St. Augustine have in his life his friend Alepius, he also had the church. He also had the great St. Ambrose and the priests of Milan. And it's a reminder today that Jesus has ordained and given to his church and to each and every one of us priests. Priests to walk with us, to lead us, to guide us, to show us the way, imperfect as they may be. Priests are given the special task of accompanying those people who are straying, who are lost, who are wandering. Priests are given that special task of not only being formed, but helping to form and teach, to be like St. Peter in the first and second reading, proclaiming the truth and goodness and beauty of Jesus Christ risen from the dead and its impact on our lives. Priests have been given that special task of not only breaking the bread for us to reveal Jesus in the Eucharist where he is most fully and sacramentally present, but to speak the words of Jesus in mercy to us in the sacrament of confession, to heal us in the anointing of the sick, to bind our marriages before God, those kinds of things. 
Priests are here to be that literal Jesus, sacramentally acting in the world. But to be fair, before I go into the theology of the priesthood, it has not been a good 50 or 60 years for priests, especially here in this country. We need look no further than uh, the child sex abuse scandal. And anytime I think about that, let alone speak it, I have mixed feelings of anger, sadness, disgust. The fact that it even happened and then it was covered up, it's disgusting. If that was the only problem, we would have one of the great scandals in the history of the church, one of the great problems. But not only that, myriads of priests left the priesthood. And there haven't been, you know, it's been pretty steady, pretty plateau in terms of the number of men entering and being ordained priests for about the last 40 years. It goes up and down a little bit, but it's been pretty consistent. And so the median age of priests in this country, I think, is now 70 years old. Not only that, but the priests who have remained, some, I don't know how many, have become very lukewarm and joyless in their ministry. Others, frankly, preach and teach things that are contrary to the teachings of the church. In our own lives as priests, those of us who remain, those of us who have been given particular tasks, the administrative responsibilities of being a priest in the church are exponentially more than they were 50 years ago. In fact, here at St. Paul's 50 years ago, the first year that St. Paul's was a parish, the annual budget was $26,000 or there or about. Now it's you know, 20 times that, probably more than that, almost 50 times that. And, you know, there's staff, and there's challenges, and there's budgeting. And I did not go to school for those things, nor am I necessarily the best and most prepared for those things, nor is any priest for that matter. Sometimes we can get so caught up in being an economist or an economist or a political or social activist that we can get drawn out from our ministry. We can lose our zeal. We can lose our joy. And in fact, in my own life, two of the priests who are most influential in my life the one who was most influential in helping me enter the order, uh, went to prison for child pornography and was uh, defrocked and kicked out of the priesthood. The other was my best friend through all of formation and a year and a half into our priesthood, uh, we were ordained together. He had a sexual relationship with a woman, father a child with her, and has since been laicized. It's painful to be a priest. These last six weeks haven't made it easier to be alone in a church during the most holy days of our year. To today, this Mass was supposed to be our first Holy Communion for our second graders, and this afternoon we were supposed to have confirmation. None of those are happening. It's enough to really make you ask and question why. Why me as a priest? Why the priesthood in general? But the beautiful thing about these last six weeks, and in particular for me the last six days, as I've been on a quarantine, and don't worry, we will sanitize this whole thing so nobody else will get sick afterwards. But the challenge and the beauty of it is that we've been stripped away as priests of all the things that hold us down, all the things that take up our time. The endless meetings and emails and phone calls and stuff like that, there just aren't that many right now. The time things that we have to do administratively and whatnot. Yes, we have to do those, but they're not as pressing, they're not as overwhelming, they're not as burdensome. So the last six weeks, we've been able to simply be gods. And that really is truly what we're called to be as priests. And that's why we need priests. We need men who are set apart simply and totally to be gods, to be his, to be totally given of their heart, mind, soul, and body to the Lord and to the pursuit, imperfect as we are, and I first among sinners. But we need those men in our church, in our lives, 
in our community because we need Jesus. And that's a great reminder that totally and utterly the priest is conformed through his ordination to the person of Jesus. Yes, he is imperfect, and yes, I am imperfect. But we need those men who are going to give everything they can, everything they have, to walking with us, to bringing us the good news of Jesus Christ risen from the dead, to share their lives with us, and to show each and every one of us how imperfect as each and every one of us is, the only joy, the only thing that lasts, is life in Christ. And for whatever reason, perhaps it's grace, well, it's certainly grace, I don't know what else it would be, I have found more joy and happiness these last six weeks because I've felt a closeness to the people. I felt a closeness to you all. I felt a closeness to the Lord. I haven't been distracted by other things, and so I've been able to be more and more His and to love more and more in that radical way, that way like Jesus in the gospel that leads people, that sets their hearts afire, that helps them ever find Jesus. And so to any young men who are out there listening, no matter what, give your life to Christ and give it fully to Him, but consider the priesthood. It is a challenge. It is a cross. You are not your own. Your victimhood and your priesthood are equivalent, but it is a great joy and a blessing beyond measure. To families with young sons and daughters, encourage them to give their hearts and lives to Christ and the vocation of priesthood and religious life. To everyone else, let's pray for holy priests. Let's pray for our priests. And let's encourage young men to consider the vocation of priesthood. Because we desire more than anything, not only to be gathered as a community, but to have the breaking of the bread, to have the sacraments, and to have life eternal. And in those, especially those desperate moments, to have someone there who can be Jesus in the moment of need. The moment where we are perhaps most doubtful, afraid, and scared. In the beginning, I said that it's incredible how Jesus find us, finds us in our wanderings. And perhaps today you might have been wandering and you might have been listening and you may open your heart to giving your life to Christ as a priest. Praise God. You may pray for priests. It may not necessarily impact you much at all. But Jesus comes to each and every one of us today in the breaking of the bread in our community mystically gathered together around every altar whenever the Mass is celebrated. We give thanks to Jesus for giving us his church, for giving us his priests. We ask him for the blessing of more priests, of more holy men who are totally and utterly given their lives to Christ, to his church, to the service of those who are lost and wandering, poor and downtrodden. Jesus Christ didn't abandon his church then. He will not abandon his church now. He walks with us ever with us, ever before us, ever behind us. He does this to lead us to himself, to open the gates of heaven for us, and to offer us the fullness of joy, peace, and happiness in this life and in the life to come.